Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, original Northampton Town fanzine reborn in podcast form. I'm Tom Reed, and I'm happy to be joined in the week of the 20th anniversary of that Cobblers promotion at Torquay. By the manager that day, also a successful striker in his day, it's Kevin Wilson. Hello, Kevin. Good morning, Tom. Hello, hello, mate. Uh, really lot sort of like timely time to talk to you. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff on social media about the uh, the promotion, you know, under your you know stewardship in 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 2000 and, um, at Torquay. Some brilliant memories for you. Yeah, it's a it's a brilliant memory. Um... When when you go, go and look back and, and when somebody said to me yesterday it was 20 years to the day, you sort of look and think, wow, you know. Um, yeah, it, I, w- I was very fortunate. Um, there was a very good side. I had a good uh, management team with me and, um, you know, we, we got our just rewards at Torquay on that day. But we I never, ever thought that we was going to lose on that day. You know, we only needed a point, but... You know, yeah. Jamie Forrester, I think, uh, equalised and then Stevie Howard puts in front. I think uh, it was uh, always uh, always in our hands and always in control. Yeah, I've, uh, I was looking back on the team that was at that, at that time and you brought in some good players yourself. But um, some a, a very good team effort, but also some, some quality individuals in there. So uh, all uh, came together in uh, Torquay. But before we... We talk about cobblers. Um, let's have a little chat about your, you know, long career with some really, really high quality clubs um, and going back, you know, into the 70s. You're, you're born in, you're not actually that far from Northampton. You're born in Banbury, aren't you? Or weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, a, I'm Banbury born. I was, yeah. So not, not a million miles away from Northampton. Um, I read a little bit that you were brought up on a, a council estate. Yeah. Um, like myself, uh, you know, often they often good places to grow up and play a little bit of football out in the street. I don't know if you used to play that sort of football. Plenty you... of it, yeah. Plenty a lot of street football, and you know, just playing with mates out on the on the on the grass or anywhere you could play. And um, it's uh, certainly it, it did it did me well anyway because you you were able to practice your skills with. Uh, your mates and and make mistakes and and nobody cared and, and yeah learn in your own way went. and uh, also uh, you play against you tended to play against older kids as well so you would like pick up bits from them I just think it was a really good way for kids to learn football maybe don't do it enough these days um, yeah so you went on how did you get uh, sort of involved with Banbury United then the local club there 
Um, initially, I'd played junior football for a, a couple of teams, Grimsby Juniors um, being one. I, I then went on to a, a, a good uh, side, Ruscat Sports, who had a, a very successful youth setup, but also had a senior setup. And at 16 years of age, I made my debut in, in, in senior football. And uh, I was very fortunate at the time because I had uh, some experienced players that played there uh, who locally was a, a guy called Jimmy Carman, Chrissy Loveridge, um, who were always, uh, you know, looked after me and, and made sure I, you know, I wasn't given too much of a rougher time because in them days it was uh, not like it is in, in, the, in days like now. So, yeah, uh, a bit yeah. more... Uh, you- Probably some strong tackles going in on you, even at a young age. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, but it, you know, it it made me got got me ready for where you know where it took me in the end. So I, you know, it, it was a good good upbringing for me. Um, then I got the opportunity to go to Bambi United. I played for their youth team uh, under under 18s, and um, at 17 years of age, I got the opportunity to play in the first team. So um, it was quite quick, really. And it was coming under the watchful eye of Brian Stone at that time. And I I started then to uh, get a little bit of uh, publicity and, and, and opportunities with, with, with other clubs were looking at me. And then the opportunities came with the Football League clubs and... I actually went out on trial to Stoke and, and, and never never really liked it. I came back home within a couple of days. Um, I then actually signed a three-year deal with Sheffield United and um, it, never, it never transpired. I'd played three reserve games and scored two goals in the games and they came back and, and said that I had a problem with my knee, on my right knee, and... Um, it it was really like the, the 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 end of the world, really. You know, as a, a young boy, you got the opportunity that you dream of, and everybody, you know, everybody wants to be a professional footballer at that time. And I, were you aware of a knee problem, or was it something that came up in a scan or something, or like a medical? Yeah, it was just an X-ray. Just an X-ray. It showed up. Um, they they said at the time I had floating bodies in my knee and and what have you. But you know, mm. fortunately for me, I. I had the opportunity to go and see a Mr. Benson at Oxford Radcliffe Infirmary. He took x-rays, he, he, he tested my knee out and um, he gave me a, a letter that said that he would give me 20 years in professional football, that he he felt that uh, the opportunity, you know, that or, or the, the diagnosis that the uh, doctor gave at Sheffield was not... Uh, not right and and so yeah. approved really so I, I did you know I had 20 years as a player so um I can't yeah. complain and uh, you know I've got a lot you know a lot to thank Mr Benson for who uh who, who gave me that diagnosis so so had uh Derby been scouting you as well uh around that time and, and, and took the chance yeah, well, they'd been do, they'd been to watch me, Alan Ashman, and a and a guy called I'm just trying to think, Tim Ward, who who was another scout for Derby. They'd both been down to watch me. They'd give me good uh, reviews on on the performances, and um, I got the opportunity to go up to Derby and train. So I went up for a week, and I played 
I, I trained on the Monday and Tuesday, and then there was a trial. There was like a practice game on the on the Wednesday, and um, at the time, I think the side, the, the the people that were the sort of players that were playing were Roy McFarlane, David Webb, uh, sure, Bruce Rioch, um, um yeah, you know, Kevin man. Hector, Roger Davis. You know, yeah, it was a it was a team full, of, you know, quite full of internationals and. Yeah, I was fortunate to go and score three goals against them in a in a, in a reserve game and uh, in a in a practice match. I played for the reserves against the first team, and I got sent home two days early. So, you know, you, you know that you've done well. You, you don't, you know, you don't know what's going to happen going forward. But sure, all the vibes were good. And and when I got home, I I was told that they wanted to sign me, and I they signed me for twenty five grand. So um, yeah. It was it was a start of a, a start of my career again, and you know, and maybe two two months earlier, I thought it uh, might have been at a premature end. Yeah, sure. And um, uh, Derby from uh, Banbury is it's quite a, it's quite a step up, really. Obviously, a big club at the, in those days. Uh, how did you how did you cope with you know uh, full time pro football and at, at that level? Good good coaching. Um, yeah. Trying to learn off players that have, have got more experience of me, you know, um, people like Bruce Rioch and Kevin Hector, and who, who sat down and talked with you. Uh, they were very experienced internationals, and um, you you learn every day. And and unfortunately for me, um, Derby at the time were most probably in a season that by the time I'd got there were most probably going to be relegated. And uh, I got my opportunity uh, on April the 8th to, to make my league debut. I came on as a sub at Liverpool. And, <laughs> you know, there's no, uh, you know, at that time, there's no better place to start, is there? You know, Liverpool were no, fine at the time. We, we were 3 0 down, and I came on as a sub for 20 minutes. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a dream, really. Um, you, you, you would have, uh, you could have pinched yourself, but. I it, bet. It, I bet you look back and you think, "Hang on a second, only a few years." I was, you know, back back at Banbury. It's like a pretty, pretty amazing uh, thing to happen. Uh, what? How did the move to Ipswich come about then? Was that uh, was that through good form, or you know, a play, uh, your manager fancied you there? How did that work? Um, I'd actually, I'd actually got thirteen goals in thirteen games, um, and. Okay. On the 13th of October, the 13th game of the season, I I broke my arm in the 13th minute, but stayed on the pitch <laughs> till yeah till the end of the to actually to the end of the game, virtually till the end of the game, and I got brought down for two penalties in that game. Yeah, um, which Bobby Davison had scored. It was my strike partner partner at the time, and he had not scored until that day, and uh, it was unfortunate that. You know, he, he's got his goals and he, he started, uh, you know, scoring after I, I was out for about, I think I was out for about eight, nine weeks. Might have been longer. And okay, Arthur Cox was a manager and he, he called me into the office and on the Monday and, and said to me, look, um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to tell you this, but you were going to go in time for Ipswich today. They wanted you, they, they would agree to fee and, and unfortunately now, this has happened. We we have to wait and see where where we go. So, yeah. um, it was a long road back. I think I made my 
return on about the 29th of December. We played Swansea away. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be involved. I travelled down with the squad uh, in the morning. And Arthur Cox said, well, come on then, let's get you back in. And uh, we actually won 5-1 and I, I actually got on the score sheet. So it, it was nice. And then we we played on the on New Year's Day. I think we played York at home and won 1-0. And yeah. um, after that, um, I was told that Ipswich wanted to buy me for 150 grand. And I, was, I went down the next day to talk to them and... It was always going to be difficult leaving Derby because I had a, you know, a real good uh, time there and, and and progressed as a player and, and I felt that the club was going in the right direction with Arthur Cox there as manager. Ipswich came calling. Was Ipswich a, a team you'd ever thought about joining? Because uh, I guess as a footballer, when the bid comes in and is accepted, you sort of have, there's a Emphasis on you going, Ipswich out, out in Suffolk. Was that a place you thought you'd ever end up at? <laughs> um, it, it all started because we actually played Ipswich in the Milk Cup. Right. And um, I'd got a couple of goals. We lost 4-2 at Ipswich and I'd got a couple of goals on the, on the night. And I'd called Terry Butcher and, and Russell Osmond a few problems on the night. And I think the manager said, oh, you know, what do you think? And Butch said, yeah, I, I liked him. He got good movement. And... Um, you know that that's where it sort of sort of started, but yeah, it Ipswich was very similar to Derby. It was a little homely club, um, sleepy Suffolk, as they used to call it. And um, I I always remember because it was a real bad, uh, we, you know, we had a bad January with snow and and ice and everything like that, and we we missed out on a lot of games. And and I think my first game was against Gillingham at home in the FA Cup, and I actually scored. So. We won three one or three two, and okay. you know it's always good to get off on the on the right foot, and and it was uh, the start where you know Bobby Rob uh, Bobby Ferguson and um, Charlie Woods put a lot of work into the younger players because they used to have the the gym which uh, or the indoor gym what was up above the changing rooms at Ipswich, and it was all astroturf, and you could go in there in the afternoons and work on your technique and work on your what you're finishing and, and your runs and things like that. And that was one of the things that I most really felt as a, as a player that I started to develop because they worked yep. really hard on the, on the tactical and technical side of my game. Yeah. I was thinking uh, as a striker, you, you, you know, you, you were never like a big, you know, Steve Howard type. You're a no. more of a sort of a, what you, what is called a diminutive sort of um, not a poacher, but someone that will, yeah. you know, sniff out goals and work and work hard. How, yeah. What sort of work would you do on the training pitch to develop your technique and uh, your ability to not only score goals, but make your own as well? What would you do on the training ground? Well, you, you go and work on people laying the ball into you, you know, so you'll get balls into you from different angles. And, and it'd be, you know, like a lot of time, Bobby Ferguson, Bobby Ferguson used to be hold it, hold it up, lay it off and spin. Them sort of, yeah. you know, so so you get into habits of, of doing the right things, and it's it's all about practice, you know, and, and a lot of the time is 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 repetition, you know, uh, you keep going over different drills. So people will drill balls in, you control it, you lay it off, and you spin, uh, and then they might put somebody in behind you, then so you've got somebody that's going to put you under pressure if you lose the ball or it gets away from you. So yeah. 
you have to learn different ways of working with your body because really when I was at Derby, my, my, my game was about pace and working in over the top. But when I went to Ipswich, they, they were real, they were real football inside. So, you know, you have to be able to come short, hold the ball in, lay it off to the midfielders and spin and make second runs where in my time at Derby, um, that was most really an area that I needed working on and, and, and in improving on. But Ipswich saw me um, coming from the third, old third division, as it was then, um, going into the first division, which is now the Premier League, is, is was was quite a step. And, you yeah, know, your it, game was developing all the time, it sounds like, and uh, yeah. was uh, maybe slightly more technical players. Did you have... Um, did you have Dalian Atkinson at uh, Ipswich at that point? Yeah, he was. Dalian, Dalian Atkinson and also Chris Kwan, you were both my boot boys at one stage. And, ah, some talent know, there. You know, there was, when you, when you look back and, and think, you know, God bless Dalian, um, he was yeah. a quality player and what happened to him should never happen to him. But, um, yeah. you know, you had people like Michael Cole, you had uh, Mark Brennan, you had Trevor Putney, you had uh, a lad named Ian Cranston. Um, you had Irving Gernon, you had Frank Yallop. What about that Dutch uh, fella? Was that Romeo Zondervan? There? Romeo Zondervan, yeah. Yeah, he had the porn touch. Right. Yeah, right. He's, uh, he's got. You look on him, look at look at his Wikipedia, he's got some interesting stories uh, attached to him. Yeah. But apparently, he was a really like quite a, what you call like, an elegant sort of player, I think. Like lovely, a, lovely. Oh, talking. fantastic player. Yeah, he he, he came in after Franz, Franz Tyson and, and Muren went. So, um, mm. He, he was the next line of the Dutch player, but he was a quality player. He mm. he had good pace. He, he he could go past people, and uh, yeah, he was a, a lovely guy as well. He was a fantastic guy. I still speak to him now, um, <laughs> and he's uh, he's not changed. He's lost his hair now, but um, <laughs> he he's still he's still good. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he was a quality player, very good. Was that Clo there as well? Was he Atkins there? Because he Atkins, seems to be yeah, he was. Ian, Ian's had a, a big part in my career, really, because he, right. he was the one when I was doing well at Ipswich and scoring the goals. He, he knew about my mother being Irish and he told Bobby Ferguson in passing one day and, and it carried on and, and eventually got the opportunity to play for Northern Ireland. So now we've got mostly Ian to thank a lot of things for. And then, of course, I went to Northampton with Ian as the assistant manager. So... I learned a lot of Ian. Um, he he was a, a manager that was uh, tactically knew what he wanted, um, and he got the best out of the squad that was uh, you know hard working really, um, and and yeah, set sure. them up the way he wanted to set it up. So I was I was interested in the uh, Northern I- Irish link and the you know you had a a good career uh, internationally as well. Um, what would what would you say your highlight was playing for Northern Ireland? Every game. Yeah. Every game, you know, um, being out Pull on, on the shirt. green shirt, um, or yeah. what, whatever colour shirt it was, a green, white, or what have you. You, you know, it was uh, well, it was a great experience, and you had the opportunity to play against some fantastic players, and I bet. You know, also play with some very good players. And I, I came into the Northern Ireland squad when it was really a, a real transitional period where uh, they'd been to the 82 World Cup and 86 World Cup. And I I joined in 87 and, and made my debut at Israel. So, um, no, it, it's a, it was a, 
a proud moment when I made my debut in Israel, and uh, I was proud every time I got the opportunity to put that that emerald shirt on. I bet. Uh, who, who would who would you say the best player you played against internationally was that you, you went toe to toe um, with? I think I think you you know uh, there's a lot of uh, quality out there, but Terry Butcher would always say it was him that, that went. <laughs> In my second game, we played England in, in Belfast and, and Butch was on the opposite side and they beat 2-0 on the night. But, no, he, you know, you, you got the opportunity to play against Georgie Hadji and uh, Hugo Sanchez and Valderrama of Colombia at the time. And, you, you know, I think I think when you, when you look back and, and you look at some of the players that you played with and, and played against, um, you know, you, you feel privileged to be able to be on the same field as them yeah these are sort of people players that uh, people used to collect stickers of people like you know Valderrama and you know Hugo Sanchez these are like legendary yeah. names um so so uh you did uh, pretty well at Ipswich uh I think you scored 25 goals in your last season there this is about 1987 when yeah. uh, actually Cobblers had a good team in that season probably one of our best ever teams 1987 but so Caught the eye over. Is it John Hollins at Chelsea? Um, yeah, we actually John Hollins had. Um, we we actually in the January, I think it was January or, or February, actually flew out to Iraq to play against an Iraqi uh, army side or national side, and Chelsea were over there as well playing in it because of the weather at the time. We just flew away to try to get some time and what have you. And I think John Hollins had kept his eye on me ever since and. The opportunity came to uh, go to Chelsea. Uh, Bobby Ferguson's contract wasn't renewed at uh, Ipswich, and um, I just felt that it may be the right time for me to to leave. I'd been offered a new contract, and I just felt that you know, given I'd been at two small, fantastic clubs with uh, great support, uh, and I had the opportunity to go sure. to the to London, the big city, and, and taste, you know, most probably at the time was classed as one of the big clubs in London, Chelsea. And, and yeah, I think they're a big club even then and, yeah. then and now, and I don't think there's many players that would, that would turn down Chelsea. Chelsea were prepared to put up a fair whack for you, up fringe and touching yeah. fringe and 50k, fringe and 35k. Yeah. So that was... Quite, even now that you don't even see transfers like that so much in the in the lower league, fringe and 35k is, is quite a lot of money. Um, yeah, well, so, that, that went to a tribunal time as well, you see. So, ah, uh, right. It wasn't a straightforward. I think Ipswich wanted 650,000 for me. Yeah. At that time, and um, it went to a tribunal. And the fun, there's a funny story that came out of it was that Ken Bates offered me a new deal on the way back to the ground in the taxi. Um, and which I agreed, you know, because I'd had a real good pre-season. It was just before the start of the season. Uh, and he gave me another year and a, a little bit more money. Um, and we actually had to go back because the FA tried to make out that we'd signed two contracts. And right. The last time I ever went in a taxi with Ken Bates again. So <laughs> he always, uh, whenever he used to see me, he'd always throw it at me. So... You know, yeah. but no, there wasn't there wasn't two contracts. There was only one contract, and it was just Ken Bates because he'd got me a little bit cheaper. I think I think initially they got me for about three hundred and twenty-five grand, and they pull it up to three hundred and thirty-five grand. So 
know. Yeah, um, Ken, all in Ken all, he got a good deal anyway. Yeah, he, he was known for a good deal, Ken Bates. Uh, yeah, you were signed. Um, did you, when you were signed, did you, there were, I think Gordon Drury and Kerry Dixon were already there. Yeah. Uh, two, obviously, in their own, not the, you know, quite different players to an extent, but obviously really good uh, forwards. Were you, were you sort of, were you concerned that you're going to have to try and get in there, get in between them two and try and get, impose yourself on the team? What was your thoughts on that? Um, I was looking forward to the challenge because, um, I'd, I'd really cemented my place at Ipswich as a, you know, up there at, at the top there with Mitch Dabray and uh, John Dean at times, and you know now I've I've come into a bigger club, big London club, not a bigger club, but a big London club, and um, expectations are more, aren't they? They're expect a lot more expected of you, and I've done really well pre-season. I think I've got about eight goals in the pre-season, and I only started on the bench and. You know, I kicked my heels for a long time on the bench and came off and on, came off the bench occasionally. And it was a real difficult sort of period of time for me. But I actually scored my first goal for Chelsea against West Ham in, in a London derby to equalise George, a George Parrish goal. So from then, it, it sort of changed for me. And also then... Um, my adaptability really where I, I played out on the left and I played out on the right and uh, you know it, it still kept um, Gordon and Kerry up the front but if you have a look at the records over the years mostly the the most potent partnership was me and Kerry you know we we scored yeah. a lot of goals when we played against each other the, the little man and the big man Gordon Gordon was really a a fan, he was a fantastic player, but he, he liked playing in the number 10 role, really, where he could come on and run at people and pass people. And yeah. uh, he, he, was a, he was a quality, he's a quality player. And, you know, he, he left eventually to go to Tottenham. Um, yeah, he played for Spurs, didn't he? What was your relationship like with um, Kerry Dixon? How would you uh, describe your partnership up front uh, when you played together at Chelsea? I think it was an ideal partnership because we both both I knew what he wanted and and he knew what I wanted in when he you know I think he was really unfortunate because he at the time he, he should have played for England a lot more because his goals record was was phenomenal really when you look at it he had pace he had yeah. power, he he was strong in the air and uh, he just never got that them rewards but yeah, we, we had an ideal partnership. We we got on really well off the field. He he lived in in Luton at the time and I lived in Hemel Hempstead, so we'd we'd occasionally go in together. You know, we had a good car school at one stage. I think it was the likes of Vinnie Jones, Kevin Hitchcock, uh Kevin <laughs> Dixon, uh, you know, and, and and myself, you know, so and, and at a time as well, Gordon Jory did live there, and then he moved when he went to Tottenham. So, yeah, we we, we had a good card school. We, you know, the, the what was Vinny like if he if Vinny Jones lost at the at cards? Was he did he take it well or was he? Uh, no, <laughs> he was, he, he was a he's a fa- he was a fantastic guy. He was a, a real yeah. good guy, and he he was one that um, you you look at and think, you know, he 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 was. Most probably not the person he, he sort of put out there, you know. But, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, um, he lived around uh, Hertfordshire Way as well, I think. Actually. Yeah, he lived he lived um, five five six doors away from where I lived in the Hamilton. Yeah. So, yeah, so he 
he was a great guy. He was, he was a great guy, and they'd do anything for you. And um, yeah, you know, so good team on. spirit at Chelsea. That's that's always that's always what you need. Um, I'm just looking at the sort of the stats. Ninety, uh, you, you had quite a difficult season. You got relegated, uh, yeah. and then the next year bounced back, uh, won the league at Canna. Ninety-nine points. Yeah. That's good. That's a good tally. Yeah, I think we, you I think featured we in that season every game in some way or other. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I I was ever present, I think, and I played in quite a lot of different positions. And it was the first season, I think, that two players, I think myself and Kerry, got 25 goals in that season. Um, and I think it was a long record that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank broke, or 20 goals it might have been down the line. So. Yeah, it was a, it was a good season all all the way round. I think we went twenty eight games undefeated. I think at one stage we'd played thirteen games at the start of the season and only got thirteen points, and then we went yeah. on a, a real big run and we won it by Easter. So that just shows you how all, how well we had done, really. So then you then you were back in the the top flight. Uh, yeah. I think. Gordon Jury got a fairly bad injury and you know no one likes that in football uh, but you had a little bit of a chance to say yourself a bit more freely that was a good, that was a good season for you I think I felt I most really deserved my opportunity as well what I'd yeah, done the year before and you know I, I was now putting you know um, pressure on because you know the, the partnership me and Kerry had and uh, you know, when I played with Gordon, you know, we, we got goals. But you when you when you look at it, you had some real quality players. You had Dave Bezen and Kevin Hitchcock fighting out in goal. You had you had uh, Graham Roberts and Peter Nicholas, Andy Townsend, Dennis Wise. Um, yeah. You know, Tony Dorigo, Clive Wilson. You know, so it, you look at it, that was, you know, there's quality and there's international, you know, international players there that... Um, were, were get you know putting people under pressure all the time. I think you got twenty goals that season. That probably your best twenty around twenty goals. Uh, yeah, you got a final Wembley as well. Zenith Data Systems Cup. Do you remember that? Yeah, Does we, anyone we remember got, that cup? <laughs> yeah, actually, we played Ipswich in the uh, quarter final. I think. Um, Right. The area final, and I actually got two goals, um, and we won three-two down there. And I didn't think it went down very well, but you know, Roll you team, out there to do a job. And what have you? We played Crystal Palace in the two-legged semi-final, which we got through and beat Middlesbrough in the final at Wembley one-nil with a Tony Dorigo free kick, I think. And I got fouled actually for the free kick. So yeah, you can claim the assist. <laughs> so it's claimed as an assist. So yeah, so. When when you look back, uh, you know it, it got some great memories as, as a player. Um, you know, what was it with, like to play at uh, Stamford Bridge? Because Stamford Bridge now, you know, is a is a different beast to what it was then. Um, the did it to have the uh, sort of not like a run track round it at that point. Some cars parked outside. You know, uh, you, the, you the shed the shed end was sort of way back. There was like yeah. A, a, place where at the time you the disabled cars and things like that there'd be yeah, yeah. I think it was initially a dog track. Yeah. When you when the atmosphere was incredible. You know, the the atmosphere yeah. was always good there. The shed end was absolutely packed week in, week out and you know it was uh, fantastic to play when it was a full house when you when you were playing against your Man United and, and your 
your, your sort of Liverpools and that, but also your local derbies, what you know, Arsenal's and your Tottenham's because you scored we, some goals. I think you scored against I, I, you scored against Spurs. I'm pretty sure you scored some uh, goals yeah. against London, definitely. Yeah, I had I've, I had a good record against Tottenham for Chelsea, but. Chelsea had a little bit of a hoodoo over Tottenham and, and mostly still have in a way. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. You, you know, it, when you when you look back, Tom, I've, I've got some great memories and, and, and also it, it's nice to have. And when I look back and, and think, you know, every child wants to be a professional footballer, that's all you dream yeah. of. And yeah. you used to go and watch, you used to watch the FA Cup final on a Saturday morning right the way through and, then you go out after watching the game after five, you know, it finished at five o'clock and you go out with your mates and you'd be trying to be that player that scored the winner, you know. So. Oh, same. And um, Chelsea fans I speak to, they not only talk about that, that time of a lot of fondness, they talk, they, you know, they, they really respect you and rate you as a player. So um, if there's any listening, I'm sure they'll be really interested in Chelsea's segment. Um, how do you, you go from the good, you know, really solid times at Chelsea to, you know, with all due respect to Notts County, going to Notts yeah. County, 225,000, I think you were sold for. How did, how did that work? Um, I didn't, I didn't need to move really. I had a four year deal still left at Chelsea, you know, so it was one of them decisions really oh. at the time with the family moved back to, moved back to the Midlands. Um, it was mostly one that I didn't really want to take, but I, I wasn't really in, I wasn't playing as regular as I, as as I wanted, um, I yeah. had five had five fantastic years there. You know, winning winning the second division and and also Zenith Data, winning Chelsea's Player of the Year as well, which from supporters, which was a a fantastic accolade uh, from myself to you know uh, a, such a big club and there were so you know such quality players there at the time. So. Did you have that uh, twenty-year thing ticking in your back of your mind? The what the, uh, the your specialist had told you maybe twenty years, so every year counts. Was that a factor? I think what you do is you have you have things in your head when you do because you want you want to go and prove people wrong. Yeah, there were there were people that I wanted to prove wrong anyway because you know some people sort of say, oh well, you won't go on and do what you know have a career that. I had, and uh, yeah. it's good to it's good to prove them wrong, and I think that's one of the things that drives me on at times. That I had so many people that wanted me to do well, and you know, and a lot of people had actually um, special memories uh, in my mm. in my history of, of my my game. Um, you know, I always go back to a Terry Otter Jordan, who who was a Ruskett sports manager. Brian Stone, who was the manager at Banbury United, and, and players that I played with at Banbury United, like Bill Lines and, and Wally Hastie, who I still see and still speak to now. And okay. um, I've, I've mostly not forgot my roots. And, you know, yeah. it, it's where I, it all started for me. And, you know, um, I, I, I would certainly say to players now, just make sure you remember where you come from and exactly. how it all started. You know, I had the support of my mum and dad. You know, they, they were big supporters. My dad followed me everywhere. Um, he went to every game where my mum was most probably, um, I think she only came to one game when I was at Ipswich. And, <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's, you, you have great memories, and, but you don't forget the people that helped you get there. 
when you talk about your career at Notts County, you know, your time at Notts County, I, I'm not sure that was the easiest either. Did it, was it Neil Warnock that signed you or did Neil Warnock turn up sort of during? No, Neil, Neil Warnock signed me. Um, I don't know whether he signed me or it was a chairman that signed me, really. Um, but it, it, uh, it wasn't most probably my most successful time as a, as a player. Um, it was a difficult two years or, or 18 months I was there. Um, I, I signed just before the transfer deadline um, and I scored on my, my debut against Crystal Palace. We, we were winning 2-0. Uh, there was a penalty and I went to go and take it and, and I was told that now Mark Draper takes it. He actually missed the penalty on the day and um, now Nigel Martin saved it and they actually went on and won the game 3-2 and I think Neil Warner okay. most probably blamed me because I never took it and I never stepped up because I was the experienced player and I should have said that I was going to take it. Weren't you used in quite a few different positions even for uh, Notts County as well? Uh, I've played played as a right played as a right back quite often, um, <laughs> you know. So can't see um, you as a right back, to be honest. Uh, but I, yeah, yeah. You, you know, but I, I took chances. You know, I, I'd played in I played at right back for Chelsea at Portsmouth one day as well when Steve Clark got injured. Bobby Campbell put me back there, but I, I, I just felt that most really helped me in my career as a coach and as a manager. You know, because the, to learn to play in different positions, and I said earlier that. The, the more positions that you can play, the, the more chances you've got getting in the side. And, you know, when I, when I look back, and that's helped me over my career because at times at Chelsea, I played on the right, I played on the left and, you know, I played up front. So, um, it, it, you know, it, it didn't... I, I most probably felt um, when I left Notts County and I took the player coach role at Warsaw, I had yep. something to prove. Because I think some, I think a lot of people were starting to write me off as a centre forward that I was my legs were going. I was 33, 35, uh, about 33, 30, between 33 and 35. But for me, I I didn't think. I just didn't feel that I was given the opportunity. And um, it is what it is. And we You've always had the hunger. It sounds like throughout your career. Were you thinking now at this point uh, more about coaching as well? Because you. So you played under some really good coaches. Did, was it time when you were thinking, right, I want to actually think about my next step and perhaps give something back as well in terms of my experience? Was that something that you were thinking about? Yeah, I'd, I'd started to do my coaching badges and I started to look at different things. And, and maybe as you get older, you start to look at the game differently. When you're a bit younger, you just go out there and play and play with the enthusiasm and run round. And, and one of my sure. things was i i worked i i worked really hard and i make sure that off the field that i've made sure that i was ready i i was one of these that had to get had to do it right to be able to get the best out of myself so yeah. um you know you have to make a lot of sacrifices along the way um but you know it was all worth it in the end but i just look at it when i when i went from Notts county to Warsaw, it, it was a step that I needed to take um, and I, I needed to go there to prove people wrong. That's understandable. Did you, when you came to Northampton, did, was that on a, a specifically uh, player coach brief? Did you, did you sort of think about that? Were you offered that by ACO? 
Um, I, I came, I went to Warsaw as a player coach and I played 136 games consecutively there. As yeah. a 33, 30, yeah, 33 old, yeah. So, still fit um, then. Yeah, still fit at that I, I looked after myself. Yeah, I played 20 years, so I, I just wanted to play. I like, I love the game. I just wanted to play as much as I can. But as, as you're getting older, your body's sort of telling you that you can't, you know, play the amount of games that you can. And, and when I went, younger to, players are coming through as well. We're starting, yeah. you know, you, you, I should imagine. I played football myself, not to your level, but. When the younger players start coming in and they've got that little bit of turn of pace on you, is you probably yeah. start thinking, I need to start yeah. thinking at the next step. Well, you, as you as you get older, you have to use all your experience because you are going to lose a little bit of that pace, and, but you don't lose your know-how and you you, be, you sure. become a better player. You know, when when Chris Nickel came in at Warsaw, he he played he played me like a ten, which is in the in behind the big nine, which was Kyle Lightbourne at the time, and. You know, fortunate for me, I went there and played 150 games and, and scored 50 goals. Did so, you play with um, Roger Bolly? No, I didn't. <laughs> Roger Bolly came. Roger Bolly came after me. So, yeah, you know, he scored I'd a brilliant gone, goal on the internet. I've seen it. Yeah, I'd gone to <laughs> Northampton then as 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 a assistant manager, a player assistant, but I didn't really play a lot of games uh, until the end of one season where I played six or seven on the trot. But, you know... Did uh, you come into... Were you at Northampton when the first Wembley where we beat Swansea? No, or was it you really came, came in after in, that? I came in after that. I came in the year after. It's a, I came in as assistant and um, actually we signed Carl Higgs um, from Swansea, I think. That, I, didn't, I didn't really... I didn't really know that uh, the story that had gone on until after where John Gale and uh, yeah. Carl Eggs had had a little <laughs> bit of a thing in the tunnel. And so Hackers said to me after training one day, he said, oh, Carl Eggs is coming down today. Go, you know, when he comes, can you go down and bring him up? And I said, yeah, not a problem. Anyway, we, we got a phone call when we were in the manager's office and all of a sudden uh, the girl in the <laughs> office is going, uh, they're, they're fighting, they're fighting. And I said, what? <laughs> so Eggsy and, and uh, Gailey were having this punch-up. So yeah. um, everything was going off and go down, all finished. Eggsy, bring Eggsy up. He's got his shirt ripped. He's got a bump <laughs> on his eye. And, yeah, and you think to yourself, wow, you know, what have we got to come? Anyway, go into the dressing room the next day. They're sat there talking to each other, got on yeah. with it proper men you know and but yeah it's a, it's a it's a fantastic story when you think there's there's a photocopier going there's this and that in the crud <laughs> shop and you know but Tom told me a bit about that and he said that um apparently yeah. it, it hasn't been sort of uh denied or you know yeah. true but um apparently Franey and Clarkson hiding in a cupboard or something <laughs> <laughs> apparently uh, well, I, I, I'm gonna say that if Tomo says it's uh if Tomo says that's true, but they, I did go down and find them ducking and diving, yeah. But no one wants to get get involved in that, do they? To be fair, I wouldn't want to go. Yeah, that was a that was a heavyweight contest, that because Eggsy was a, a, a amateur oh. boxer as well, so Eggsy could look after himself and Gailey. Gailey was mostly the quiet man, really. You you would never ever think um, Gailey was just a lovely, lovely guy and and worked really hard in his game and. 
you know, but they, they got on with it and, uh, you know, them, them sort of moments you always remember and it's... I think uh, uh, Acker's, uh, Acker's, Acker's um, approved of that quite as a secretly. He liked that bit of team <laughs> team. That he, one, that he, he just laughed about it, really. Yeah, he, he, he just go, Jock, just, just go downstairs and sort them out, William. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So when he I was going to ask you, actually, uh, you, so as a player coach, I, I, I assume... You were uh, detailed to um, take the strikers for session, some specialists. Yeah, sort of strike- I, I took I took uh, loads of them. I, I actually um, we were we meant we were looking for a number nine actually at one stage, and Aki said to me, "We need to get a number nine. And anyway, we've been looking around, and and we got recommended Stevie Howard, and Aki says, "How about you? We, we're playing at Oldham on Saturday. How about you going to Exeter?" to watch the kid and, and see what you think. And I said, yeah, yeah. So I've got no problems. I said, I'll go down there and Stevie go down and watch him. I was really impressed. He, he held the ball up. He, he played alongside Peter Beardsley, actually, for Hartlepool. So I spoke to Peter Beardsley after the game and I'd already made my mind up. But I'd, on the way, travelling back, Akers was travelling back from Oldham, um, winning one there. I think Carlo Corazin scored the penalty and... Aker said, so we, you, you think he's going to be good enough? I said, yeah. I said, he's, he's what we need. He's strong. He's powerful. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he rang me. He must have rang me about nine times. Like, yeah, are you sure? Yeah. And I said, I'm telling you. Yeah. So anyway, we signed him on the Sunday for, I think, something about 100 grand or something like that, if I'm right. And uh, he, he comes in on the morning, trains in the morning. And we play, I think we're playing Swansea on the... Tuesday night, so Stevie's first game, um, 20 minutes in, whoosh, Stevie Howard goes in for a challenge, red card. <laughs> um, if looks could kill, I'd most would have been dead, because Akers just looked at me and looked at me and went, what's he doing? I wasn't uh, sure, yeah. You know, and I, and I just, just looked at him and didn't know really what to say, but it was always it always turned out a, a great move for him because Stevie went on to have a fantastic career and we yeah. we used to go all the time with all the strikers in the afternoons in the young ones um, going out and working you know the likes of Chris Lee uh, Christian Lee at the time there you know Stevie Howard we used to go out even you know Duncan Speddings who, who came in from Southampton. We always go out and work the players, and you know, and try to improve on what they were good at. Chris Freestone came in as well, very, very pacey striker. Yeah, um, yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, what did you? What? 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 How would you describe him as, as a player in those days? Chrissy, I think he was strong and direct. Uh, that was one of his strengths, and and he could he could get you a goal, and you know, his, his pace was is really good. But you know, you, you'd always. Uh, I think as as a striker, I always back myself anyway. You know, always wanted to win in the shooting practices and things like that. Even yeah, though you were still, you know, that that's what it's about. You know, you you want to be the best. And I, I, I mostly look at myself. I was a very instinctive striker, um, yeah. and you know, I enjoyed all the shooting practices. And you try to make them as as real as you can. And you know, because that's the only way that you you know you're going to learn. Uh, did you coach David Seal as well? He was an interesting player. Yeah, David, uh, fantastic finisher. Brilliant. 
Yeah, really yeah. good finisher. He, David Seal, I'd, I'd actually turn around. I, I worked with another guy called Clive Allen. Uh, and he what, the was Clive my, Allen? Clive, I worked with Clive Allen at Chelsea yeah. when he came yeah, in player. there. And he was an absolute fantastic finisher. David Seal was as well. He, you know, should have gone on for, to bigger, better things and what have you, but he never never quite got got that went that far, you know. But he was a he was a player that um had a lot of time for, you know, as as I did then, Carlo Corazin was in there. We had Jamie we brought Jamie Forrester in from Utrecht after coming in on loan and I'm gonna ask you about Jamie Forrester. Was that uh, was that that was one of your signings that you'd you'd put the work into? Yeah, we, we brought him in on loan. We brought him in on loan from Utrecht um, in the season that we got promoted at Torquay, and he formed yeah. a real good partnership up the front with uh, Stevie Howard. But in the in the time we had Daryl Clare in on loan, I think we brought him in on loan from Grimsbury for a short spell. He actually scored against like Cheltenham on a on a Friday night, a winning goal from about twenty five yards on his debut, and. We, we were quite fortunate with the players that we brought in. You know, Daryl came in, he did well. We only could have him for a month, I think, in the end. And Carlo Corazin was going off to play in the um, the Gold Cup at the time. So we were for Canada. So we were going to lose him for quite a bit. And it was when actually, I think Carlo went over there and they actually won it. They, they won the tournament and Carlos got the, uh, I think he got the golden boot. So... We, we got Jamie in on loan and uh, then all of a sudden you've had the likes of Carlo Corazin who's just come back on a high from being with Canada uh, and winning the golden boot. Stevie Howard who is doing really well and, and Jamie Forrest who was scoring gold. So, you know, we, we had permutations and when you, I think you always, always need that, don't you? Uh, I, you know, even as a striker yourself, you, there's going to be times when you're going to get a knock or something and a manager will need, you know, maybe... I think it was Fergie that used to have maybe four strikers on his books. Yeah. But he could he could combine any four of them any, any yeah. you know, any one time. And, and that's what I could have done, really, when I had yeah. that, that sort of the group together. But I, I mostly look at um, when, when we got promoted was there was a real togetherness. There was a real hunger. Um, they, if they went out on a night out, they all went out. And, and always uh, the, the thing was, if you go out on a Wednesday night, you, you, you make sure you're ready to train on the, on the Thursday morning. And, and that's what they were like. They, they were a great group. Um, they, they worked really hard together. They enjoyed what they were doing. Um, and, you know, Akers had left some, you know, some good players when he when he'd left who I'd worked with. So it was just adding a little bit more there to, to go and get us where we were. But also Kevin Broadhurst was there as a he came in with me as a, an assistant and um he he did well, you know, he was excellent. He he was a very, very good coach and um we we were you know fortunate we had one of the best physios, Dennis Casey. Bit of a legend uh, Dennis Casey uh, well, Dennis- I, 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 stalwart of the club, a long-standing yeah. servant. Well, Dennis Casey was at Banbury United when I was a young boy. I never knew so, that. So, Dennis was there when I was a 16-year-old, 17-year-old. Dennis was uh, 40, must be around his 40s then, learning his physio side of it. So right. I knew Dennis from then. And uh, I also had a spell when I was at Chelsea because Kevin Hitchcock went on loan to Northampton. 
and I came did, down yeah. on a Friday night to see um, Dennis, and I've always kept in touch with him, and and unfortunately we were able to do enjoy some successes. You know, we went to Wembley, Definitely. went to Wembley in my first year and lost to Grimsby in the final, which was disappointing, and. Yeah, Ian, Ian most would had opportunities then to move on and, and maybe at that time it, it wouldn't might have been the right time for us to move on to different clubs. But, sure, uh, Ian talked about uh, there was interest from Norwich. Yeah, it club. was. Uh, yeah, you know. And, uh, but he was, there was a, there was a loyal, there was a, as a team spirit there that everyone associated with the club talks talks about and, and, a, and yeah. a loyalty to, to, yeah. to take the project on a little bit. The project probably stumbled a little bit along the way, but was it was it difficult to take over from uh, you know at at co when you did because obviously you've been friends and you'd helped each other out was it difficult taking over from you know, oh, a friend yeah of course it was he was the one that said that I had to stay because I had a contract um, uh, yeah it was difficult and I think you know you, when when you go in as your own person you're going to change things aren't you and and do things different ways. And that's nothing, no disrespect to anybody or yeah. Ian at all. And it was always very difficult because, you know, it must really put a bit of a strain on a relationship, you know, because he'd gone, I, I, I took the job over and, and, and I was doing it the way that I wanted, you know, and there's no guaranteed successes in, in any way that you do it. Um, I look back and I was very fortunate to have the success I did in my first year, but I had some mm. very good players and, and we added some very good players to that squad. What was your first, when you went in, uh, sorry, when you came in as, you know, full-time manager to replace Ian, what were, you, what were your first thoughts on t- steadying the ship a little bit, turning it around and getting the, you know, good personnel moving forward? What, what were your thoughts there? I actually think I've come back in the side myself. Um, we played Torquay <laughs> Straight at home. In. <laughs> now, I, I, you know, and this is one of the things that, you know, Kevin Broadus, uh, we spoke about and Kevin said, well, I think I think you should come in. I actually played in a reserve game at Millwall on the uh, Tuesday and, and I, I did really well. And, and Broad said to me, I, I don't, we, we, I think you should come back in and, and have a few games and, and see where we go. And, I actually uh, played against Torquay in our first home game. Um, we won three nil, and I think they finished with eight men, if I believe, if it right. And if you think, if you look back and think, did everything go your way? It did. They had a goal disallowed, I think, as well. And you look back and think, well, you know, it was maybe meant to be on that day. And you know, we went on to have some some very good success and it, it's um, you know a, through a lot of hard work from the players and playing a different you know playing in a different way in a different style won the won the league with Chelsea what's it like winning the league as a manager what's the, what's the difference it's different isn't it? it it's it's you're you're the driving force you're the manager you're the one that mm. um, with your management team make the decisions going forward so yeah, it is different because when when you're a player, you're in that group and you're and you're all part of it and you're all excited of what you've achieved and 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 you can have a you know drink your, your champagne and and enjoy your time. As a manager, you're able to stand back a little bit and and watch them enjoy it. You know, see the see the smiles on the faces and the enjoyment that what it's what it's given and what have you. 
and and you think, well, you know, it's a great achievement. And you know, I was able to sit at the front of the coach. Me and I think on the on the way back there was me, Dennis, and and Russell Slade sat at the front of the coach. And Dennis had brought a couple of bottles of red wine, and we sat there drinking that. And I'm, I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure there was a few. Um, crates of Budweiser and, and champagne somewhere down there but no, it, you know when when you're coming all the way back from Torquay you know one of the things was that you, you know you've got to go down there and do the job we only needed a point but um, Torquay if they had won and results had gone I think they would have got in the playoffs so you know we knew it was going to be a difficult game uh, we, locked, we went 1-0 down and, and then Jamie and Stevie Howard got us back in it. And to be honest, we, we were quite comfortable and you always knew that a draw was going to be good enough. But to go there and win when you needed to, I didn't I didn't never ever thought throughout the week that we had that we were ever going to lose. You know, I, I was always going down with there was a positive attitude that we're going to go down there and get three points. And I think there was about fifteen hundred Cobblers fans down there that day, and we were greeted yeah. at ten o'clock at night back at the the stadium by fans. And I think we actually went to uh, Chicago's on the night uh, <laughs> and celebrated in Chicago. So yeah, yeah so it, you know there was a legendary Northampton night spot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was at the time. I don't know whether it's there anymore, but I doubt yeah, it. still no, it's it's closed. But at that <laughs> yeah. time, it was yeah, good place to go. Yeah. Um, the Obviously, that's a, a, a brilliant day. And uh, just looking back, this you had some, like I said earlier on, really good team spirit, but also some re- yeah. really individual quality. I'm still scratching my head. Yeah. We can be sort of fairly frank with each other if you want. Like where yeah. where it started to go, where it started to go wrong. I, don't, I still don't understand to this day. Really, uh, the next unless, season tailed off a little bit, and then I most, you were out. I mostly let people like uh, Stevie Howard left. He went to Luton. Um, I let I let Steve, I let uh, David Savage go um, where I should most probably not. Mm. And if I'm if I'm being honest, I made maybe most probably made a couple of poor signings at the time, um, which didn't work yeah. out. Not for me, it didn't work out. Um, and so you know, as as a manager, you live and live and die by your decisions and. And some of them didn't. And I, I'm not really going to mention the names. I think no, people will no. draw their own conclusion on that because I don't think 20 years on it's fair anyway. But you know, when you look back as a manager, you have to you have to say to yourself, well, what did I do well and what have I done wrong? You know, my signings up until then had been been very good, but um, maybe my heart ruled it ruled my head that time. Was Steve Howard uh, sold with your approval, or was that a one that you were a bit, you know? Um, I didn't really want him to go. I didn't. I didn't want him to go. I, I want him to stay. Um, we, you know, like Dave Savage, we were in contract talks, but we we, we couldn't really um, go to where he wanted. But you know, Stevie was getting an opportunity to go and uh, play at a higher level, which um, you know proved to be the right thing for him and. Sometimes you have to look at the the person and the individual and give them the opportunities and and certainly that that's what we we try to do and you know he, he went there and and you only have to look at the career he's had since then and 
I still speak to Stevie on a on a regular basis. Um, he he's, a, he's not changed from the the day that he walked into Sixfields. He's still the the same Stevie Howard that I know. You know, so the big heck. So yeah. Um, yeah. Was it a bit galling that you know you've done a lot of the scouting on Steve Howard? He gets sold to Luton. Uh, I don't know if you remember the fee, but nowhere near the value. Seventy-five. He... I think it was seventy-five grand. Or oh, seventy-five grand. Like I'm no uh, football agent or football scout, but that seems to me yeah. fairly cheap, considering he went on to be worth, you know, in the yeah. millions. Is that a bit cool? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, like um, it was like having a having a, like a, a real diamond in your hand for a, a couple of years, and then see, you know, seeing something flourish a bit later on. I don't know. No, I, I just look. I just look back and and think of uh, you know you you've seen the you've seen the ability in him and he he's gone on to bigger and better things you know and I think that's what you have to do as a as a when you're a player or as a manager you have to look you know if I look back at my career I, I I've worked with some fantastic people you know um, Bobby Campbell who was me who, who God bless him now who's who's dead but um, he he was a fantastic coach and he he showed what it was. Chris Nickel I worked at the uh, Warsaw with and Ian Atkins you know Gary Thompson as well who I've not really mentioned um, he he was brilliant you know he he was a he was a good guy he was passionate he he was a good coach um, yeah and oh. I'd come across I I actually went to uh, Bristol Rovers with him for six weeks to help him when he got the manager's job and. We, have, yeah. we avoided relegation, and, and and then he he never got the job. He he had his contract, never had his contract renewed. So, um, Tomo was a life and soul. You know, he he uh, was always bubbly. He he, you know, it spent three days, well, three hours in the shower after training. You have to wait for him. You know, it was always <laughs> so. But no, you 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 have the you have the opportunity in the game to work with some fantastic people. You know, Andy Woodman, when I first came in, you know, at Northampton as a assistant manager in Sampson, who, who, who actually captained the side when I was, when we got promoted to Torquay and, you know, Ray, Ray Warburton, who had been so, so Carl Ian Clarkson and John Frayne. I think actually the, the night we got to, the day we got promoted at Torquay, Ian Clarkson had his testimonial on the Monday night. Yes, and, and I think uh, Northampton Saints actually won the. Did they win the champions? Yeah, they might well have done. That sounds about. That rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. So Roy Hunter talked. I spoke to Roy Hunter, and he talks fondly about his time playing for uh, the It was a. It was a. He would have gone on to bigger things, Roy. You know, he Definitely, had his injuries, yeah. and you know, he he was there was a lot of clubs showing interest in him at the time, and. Um, you look back and think, you know, Chrissy Lee. They were, they were quoting him as a million-pound player when he was there, but he never went on and developed. But you know, um, that's football, isn't it? It's not an exact yeah. science, and that's a, that's the thing. No, uh, no and, you have and a what you bit did, of luck. Yeah, what what you what you did, I think, as well as you, there was the endeavour and the uh, and the sort of the technique on it as well, and you worked a lot yeah. of your game, which yeah. which which made you have that longevity and probably propelled you into management as well because it, it gave you that grounding, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, it gives you that grounding, it gives you the opportunities, you know, going forward. But when when you go from a player to a manager, all of a sudden it, the, the book stays with you and you make the 
you can make the right decisions one day and make the wrong decisions other days and you live live by your decisions but I, I just look at it and think you know I I was manager at Northampton Town I got promoted you know there's some managers that have been in the football league the 15 20 years and never got promoted so I feel gracious and, and grateful to to be able to have took Northampton up but I've also been able to work with some fantastic people and I learned an awful lot of Chris Nichol uh, and Ian Atkins working with them and uh, you 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 take that on and you you take the good you take a little bit of the good what they give you and and and, and try to put in your own spin as well yeah and that, a lot of the, the players I've spoken to and looked into their career that you know it's it, 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 you can look back with pride and it goes back to those childhood days kicking a ball against the wall in Banbury or wherever not yeah, off yeah. that dream to play football you played at a very high level some brilliant moments as a manager um, uh, looking at your managerial, managerial career after Cobblers it's, it's one of those interesting ones maybe as a footballer there's a bit of luck involved and maybe as a manager there's a bit of luck involved if you'd have uh, you know kicked on after winning uh, you know getting promotion with Cobblers yeah, your your career could have been quite easily uh, your managerial managerial career subsequently subsequently could have easily been at an you know EFL level, and yeah. it it sort of went more into non-league. And I, I just yeah. think um, it's just a, like I said, football's a funny old game. Could have gone another way, really. Yeah, uh, I, d- I just think I just think sometimes you know I I'd achieved uh, most probably more than I expected to achieve as a player. Um, I done fantastically well and, and got promoted in my first season as a manager at Northampton. Um, did I have it uh, too quick, too early, a bit of success? Um, did I take my eye off it and, and never concentrated on it as, as much as I should have? Um, who knows, you know, I, I went into non-league and I've had some fantastic times in, in non-league and None more so when I was at Ilkeston and, we, you know, we've actually produced the people, uh, the likes of Ash Hunter and Shay Adams, you know, um, really? you bring them through. So when, yeah. when you look at it, um, I think we had eight players that left us in the one season to actually to go to into a higher level, with either the conference or to the Football League. And you could always tell Shay Adams that, 16 years of age was going to go and play in the Premiership, and I've always said that um, he was a, he was a player that got you off your seat, even as a manager. Um, he got you uh, excited every time he got the ball because he got something different. Um, you know, I'm, I'm deli- you know you're delighted to see that, and everybody that you get involved with, you know, like um, Stevie Howard. That's a, another fantastic story, you know, for people. To, to see because he, he worked really hard in his game and he got his just rewards. Maybe that maybe that theme of you being able to spot a player throughout your career and you know recognizing true talent maybe that's uh, stood you in good stead for your, your your current role which is you're an agent now aren't you? Yeah, well we got I wouldn't say I'm an agent I'm a, I'm a a mentor, I look at it really because I'm trying to mould the players into giving them the opportunities that I had. Yeah. Okay, we, we deal with contracts. Um, 
yeah. we deal with all different clubs from non-league right through to the championship. We're not got any in the Premiership at the minute, but you, you know, you have to keep working at it, and that's what I did as a player. So being an agent or whatever you want to call me or a men- mentor, as I more most probably look at it, um, you. You, you, you've got to work at it to try to get where you, you, you can go and, and that's important but it, it's one of them situations at the present moment, it's a very difficult time in anybody's life at the minute with what's going on in the in the world. Football is in a, in a difficult place, there, there is a potential for it to come back small because everyone's missing it so much and it, there's a big gulf there so you know, fingers crossed uh, we come back soon and you can you know pick up you know even, well, that, even that's more players that's all you hope for but Tom people are dying at the minute and true football true. football is irrelevant when when that's happening because it could happen to one of your family or it could happen to a friend so i think we've also got to look at it in the big picture and and look at it and say you know where where are we going to go with it are we going to start the season again you know everybody hopes so but you certainly don't want casualties along the way do we you know, because that no. wouldn't that wouldn't be what anybody wanted. But yeah, football gives you a feel good factor. Only only if you're if you're not a manager, because if you do lose on a Saturday afternoon, the feel good factor <laughs> goes out the window. You know, you take it home, and then you have to start again on Monday and hope that uh, yeah. that it start you start winning. So when, when, as a supporter, when your your team loses, everyone knows their 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 wife or girlfriend or whatever. We'll be we'll say that we're in a mood on the Sunday. Like as a manager, knowing that you're you know ultimately responsible, yeah, I'd be in a, such a bad mood if we lost. Like especially <laughs> throwing yeah. a game away, I'd right, I'll grump. You have to you have to watch the game. You watch the game again. You look at it. You see. You analyse it. You see what things have gone wrong and try to put that right and, and try to work uh, for the next game. But you know every game's different and. Um, you know, when you look, when you look back, and and I look over my career, you know, I, I look back with some fantastic memories and uh, some met some fantastic people, and and hopefully, uh, you know, that that can carry on in the in the role that I'm doing now. But all we're trying to do is give younger players a a, a little bit of a mentor and and trying to guide them in the in the right way. It sounds as if you're. Uh... You're, capable, you're able to um, mould uh, players on, on your books with your experience and, and, and make it more of like, um, you know, a, a more rounded sort of service that you can offer and try and bring players on and make them, you know, into you know, sort of rounded well, we pros. That's to look awesome. after them. Yeah, we try to yeah. look, look after them. They, they've got to do everything in their power on the field. We can look after things off the field as well. They, you know, we, we put them in touch with finance. We got a financial advisor. We got a solicitor on board if we ever need it. You know, sure. we, we we do that side side of it. But also the opportunity is that I've got 20 years as a player and and maybe 15 years maybe as a manager in in the professional game and the non-league game. So I've got lots of experience to give them and help them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's up to them. It's how far they want to go and where they want to take it. You know, some people are quite happy playing in non-league and, and what have you. Some people want to actually, you know, to go and be a professional player. And that's what that's what my dream was. My dream was always to to get as far as I could and, and to get where I got 
I even surprised myself, you know, when I when I look back. But it, I guess it, the big question, the big the big question is, if a managerial role came up, would you would you be interested? Yeah, if it was the right role, you know, I've had offers since I've come back out of the game as a manager and as a a director of football, you know, but it has to be the right role and it has to suit what what you're doing, you know. So um, you have to. But manager, have management to... is something that you can't. I guess it's something you can't really sort of ever give up completely. It's always there in the background. If you're a... yeah, it is, and and nobody's nobody's remolding anything, are they? In management or in coaching, there everybody does the same work and the same drills. The only the only thing is that there are people, you know, the 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 better players. Are you know are always at the better clubs, you know, and also if you've got a good player at a, a lower level club, they always get nicked by the the top clubs because the lower ones can't resist to to uh, hold them off because financially it's very difficult for the teams in in the lower leagues. Sure. Do you, do you find it frustrating that? You're a you're a you're a professional yourself, and yeah, you know how things go. Do you find it frustrating that certain managers seem to sort of go from one job to the next, and um, not not necessarily better than you as a manager, but they're in they're on the you know the merry-go-round, and you're not? Is that frustrating? I think I think you have to accept it, Tom. I think you have to accept it. The only thing I I would say is that. We, every every manager, coach, or anybody that's involved in football has got to keep trying and and, uh, and work hard at it, you know, mm. because that's one thing that we you know we did, you know, we made sure we worked hard at it, and I I, I brought that in as a as a player, and I mostly worked on the three A's, and that was attitude, application equals ability, you know, yeah. and and that that's always kept me in good stead and. Um, look, the, the, you, everybody makes mistakes along the way. Um, it's how you react and how you how you go forward. So um, you'll have to uh, keep working, working at it, and, and become better and try to be a student. And that's one of the things I did as a player. I've been I became a student of the game and tried to improve and try to see. And and that's why I look back and Arthur Cox was a, a fantastic man manager at Derby and. You know, Bobby Ferguson was a coach that uh, helped me develop and move forward with Charlie Woods. And then, fortunately, I come under people like John Hollins and Bobby Campbell and Ian Porterfield. Uh, and then as I went through, you know, Chris Nichol, um, Ian Atkins. Um, have, have some me, some uh, real experience in those names and, and, and so much uh, knowledge lot, that, you know, that's passed yeah. on and you can pass on to other people. I think those three A's you were talking about, terms of you know what yeah. equals ability i think that, that was actually funnily enough the things that you could probably characterize northampton in that those early night uh, sorry late 90s yeah. early 2000s period that there was a lot of application um and and it did i said it in the previous podcast that the, the club was reborn in a way from it the, those terrible days in the early 90s yeah when you were banging them in goals for chelsea or something yeah. cobblers was a, it was a bleak yeah. place really we had a you know the, the ground the old county ground bless it was it was it it was there was a financial crisis and stuff in yeah. the club free and Atkins people like yourself and a, a combination of various people yeah it turned the did the turn the club round and set it on a on a better path and you know you, you can look back with pride in, in you you know as your and your part of that and yeah 
that, yeah. that day at Torquay, you know, lives in the memory of all the Cobblers fans. Listen, thanks for talking to me. And, no, that's um, fine, Tom. You take care. Nice to It's brilliant talking you. to you. And um, like I said, anytime, welcome back at Sixfields. And right. um, Cobblers I'll fans really appreciate you for your work. <laughs> OK. Take no care, worries. mate. Thank you, Tom. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, 